Let's thank all of our musicians for making this really just a special Easter. Appreciate you guys. I want to tell you one funny story about Samantha. Samantha, raise your hand right there. There she is. A few weeks ago, she's one of the leaders of the worship praise band at the Claremont campus. And a few weeks ago, it came time to sing. And so Pastor Jay, our worship pastor, said, Samantha, let's go. She shook her head. She goes, no. Uh, some of the other band members said, Samantha, let's go. It's time. No. Uh, some of the other singers along with her said, Samantha, it's time to get up there. No. Come to find out Samantha was in the ladies' room and her identical twin sister, Amanda, was just sitting in the church randomly and she didn't want to get up there and sing. And so it wasn't an act of rebellion. It was just an identical uh, sister. And boy, do we, I know Lisa's already done this, but let's thank God again for just holding up the rain at another year. Man. I tell you, seven, 17 years we've been doing this. We've never been rained out yet. Although, you know, it looks like it could be building here. Our high school pastor, we had him pray for the weather. And uh, he goes in our, our, our pastor's meeting uh, Tuesday. And he goes, uh, Lord, I pray that you'll hold off the rain till one. And almost in unison around the table in the middle of the prayer, all the other pastors go, two. Two, Lord. He meant two, not one, but two, because we got to get all the equipment covered up before it's gone. But we are so grateful. My wife, Kimberly, will tell you how I just obsess about the weather reports this time of year. From two weeks till Easter at Fairplex, I just obsess on those weather reports. And last night, I went on my phone. I thought I'd check it one last time. And it said, snow flurries for today. Snow flurries for today. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's up with that? I totally freaked out. And then I realized... It was the weather forecast for Pomona, New Jersey. How many of you knew that there was a Pomona, New Jersey? I never knew. 7,000 people, it's near Atlantic City. Never knew it had one. And I want to thank you for being here. Your presence is what makes this so exciting. Your presence is what makes this a celebration. And I don't believe that you're here by accident. I believe you're here by divine appointment. It's not an accident that on 3-31-13, uh, Easter 2013, God invited you here because he wants to say something to you. And I believe there's three things that God wants to say to you that we're going to be looking at. Would you turn with me to page four in your program? And there you'll see that today we're starting a new series entitled Being a Person of Purpose. And like Lisa and Tamiko and Brian just said, we really hope that you can come next Sunday to either our Claremont campus or Pomona campus as we continue this series on being a person of purpose. You know, there's a thousand reasons why I follow Jesus. There's a thousand reasons to follow Jesus, but one of my favorites is that he gives purpose, meaning, and significance to life. Outside of God, outside of Jesus, we're just a random group of cells experiencing random chance. Uh, we just kind of struggle through life and turn into dirt at the end of it. Maybe we raise a few kids that can carry it on, uh, the human lineage, but outside of God, you take God out of the picture. We're just random cells experiencing random chance. But the great thing I love about Jesus, the thing I love about God being in the picture, is that we know where we fit in God's master plan for the universe. We know where our lines are, what our role is in God's play. We know where we're a part of his story for human history throughout the universe. We know where we fit in God's master plan, that we belong, that we're significant, that we have a unique and vital role to play in God's unfolding of human history. We become a person of purpose. So to start off this series, I want to talk about life's three greatest questions. 
Question number one is a question of existence. Why am I alive? The prophet Jeremiah, 2,600 years ago, asked this question. Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow, to end my life in disgrace? Arthur Ashley Brilliant wrote, my life is a superb cast, but I can't figure out the plot. Uh, Jack Hanley wrote, I hope life isn't a joke because I don't get it. Carl Jung, one of the most famous psychiatrists of all time, said, I don't know the meaning, the purpose of life, but it looks as if something were meant by it. Isaac Asimov, uh, one of the most famous and um, well-known science fiction writers, uh, said, as far as I can see, there is no purpose. And you know, I agree with him that if you take God out of the picture, there is no purpose. Without God, he's right. As far as I can see, there is no purpose to life. And the young adults of our nation have been sold this false bill of goods that they're just a random group of cells experiencing random chance. There is no meaning to life. There is no significance to life. And when you do that, life becomes cheap. That's why the number two killer of young adults in America today is suicide. That's why homicide follows closely behind if it's not in the number one position. Last week, uh, one of the leaders of Pomona Police Department said to me, Glenn, ask the people to pray for Pomona. We need to pray for Pomona. In the last few weeks, there's been an upswing in violence of young men against young men in the gangs of Pomona. Young adults killing young adults, young adults taking their own lives. And that's what happens when you take God out of the picture. There is no meaning. There is no significance. Life becomes cheap instead of being precious, knowing that we were made in the image of God. And so because we feel this need for meaning, we try to substitute it with other things. There's the mystical approach. You'll see that there in your study outline. You look within and find your purpose within. There's the survivalist approach. The purpose of life is just to stay alive. The naturalist approach. The purpose of life is just to perpetuate itself. This is the biological approach or reason, uh, the reproductive reason. That great uh, theologian and philosopher, rap artist Ice-T once said, the only reason we're here is to reproduce. Just chill out and reproduce, keep the species alive. Then there's the hedonist approach. The purpose of life is pleasure, just to have fun, to party. I always love doing this service at the, at the racetrack because it's so different than being in our worship center. I mean, I remember for years there were the betting odds behind me here and it said, go baby, go, run baby, run. And so people would place bets on how good the sermon was going to be, you know, three to one odds, it was going to be kind of boring or whatever. I love coming in where you see the big Budweiser sign that says, here we go. I thought we should have opened the worship service with that liturgical saying, here we go. I noticed how many of you sat in the margarita section up here, you know, Uh, those are the ones that are trying out this particular uh, hedonist approach. The purpose of life is just to have a good time. The materialist approach, life is all about the acquisition of things. How many of you remember uh, for years there's been this bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins? How many of you have seen that? He or she who dies with the most toys wins. No, they don't win. They just die and leave a lot of junk behind in the garage that their family and friends have got to unload on eBay. Uh, The self-help approach, you've got to invent your purpose, discover your dreams, go after your goals. Have some ambitions, dream big dreams, aim high, believe you can achieve, have faith, figure out what you're good at, never give up, and involve other people. 
Now, these things are bad in and of themselves. None of these things are all that bad, but they're just not good as an ultimate purpose. They can lead to success, but God says in the Bible, his word, that they don't ultimately lead to fulfilling God's purpose within our lives. Proverbs 16 says, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Ephesians chapter one, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. You're not here by accident. I'm so glad you've come this morning because as you look out over the beautiful mountains and and the clouds and the sun, God provided this gorgeous day because he wants to tell you that you were created to be loved by God. He created you because he wanted to have a relationship with you. Your creator God wants you to get to know him. And as you do, you'll discover your purpose, your reason for living, the significance and meaning of your lives. The second question is a question of significance. Uh, Does my life matter? Uh, Will my life have an impact? A man once counseled his son that if he wanted to live a long life, the secret was to sprinkle a little gunpowder on his cornflakes every morning. The son did this faithfully and he lived to the age of 93. When he died, he left 14 children, 28 grandchildren, 35 great-grandchildren, and a 15-foot hole in the wall of the crematorium. Now, that's what I call having an impact. Sprinkling those gunpowder on your cornflakes. We asked, does my life matter? Will it have an impact? Does it have significance? Uh, the prophet Isaiah, 2,700 years ago, said, my work all seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and for no purpose at all. We were made to have meaning in our lives. I heard a story uh, a while back about, uh, from World War II about a Nazi concentration camp in Hungary. And the prisoners were forced by their guards to do work processing human sewage in the, in the factory. And it was dirty work, but it was still meaningful work. It had a purpose behind it. But then the Allied bombers bombed that particular factory. And so the Nazi guards would force the prisoners every day to take the rubble from the factory and move it to the other side of the camp. And then the next day they'd give up and move, get up and move the rubble from that side of the camp to the other side of the camp. The next day back to the other side, the next day back to the other side. And historians tell us that because they were doing such meaningless work, they lost their minds. Uh, they lost their minds. They began to provoke the guards trying to get them to shoot them and take their lives because they couldn't stand an existence without meaning. We were meant to have a purpose. Number one, God says you can know the meaning of life and that gives you significance. Number two, you can know how much you matter to God and that gives you significance. Number three, you know God's purpose for your life and you're living it out and that gives you significance. Isaiah 44 verse two, God says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. The one that created those mountains, the one that created those, those clouds, this beautiful landscape, this beautiful scenery of Southern California, he invited you here to say, I had a plan for you before you were even born. On page five there in your study outline of your program, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. You discover in Christ with God in the picture, where you fit into life. 
where you fit in the world, where you fit in the scheme of things, God's master plan for the universe. Psalm 33 says, his plans endure forever. His purposes last eternally. Look at that little uh, pyramid that you'll see there in your study outline. God wants us to live beyond survival. He wants us to live beyond just success to significance. And significance has to do with thinking eternally, being connected with your eternal purpose that God made you for. Here's the second reason why God invited you here this morning. I was made to last forever. God invited you here. You're not here by accident. You didn't come invited by a family member or friend or see one of the signs by accident. God has a reason for you being here, and he wants to tell you that you were created to last forever. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in the book of Ecclesiastes, where it says, he has written eternity on our hearts. God wrote eternity on your heart and on my heart. That's why we're not satisfied with the stuff of this life. That's why you get that brand new car, and it's fun for a while, but then it wears off. You get the new home and it's exciting for a while, but then it wears off. You get the new pair of shoes and it's exciting for a while, but then it wears off. That's one's for the ladies, not for me. Okay, guys, I want you to know it's not about the shoes, okay? Uh, uh, Don't worry about me here, okay? Uh, What is it that you love to get and then it wears off? And it's because you were made for more than this life. He wrote eternity on our hearts and, and you sense deep down, don't you? Isn't there a hole there? Isn't there something within you that senses that you were made for more than just the stuff of this life? Rick Warren writes, you're going to spend far more time on the other side of death than you do on this side. You're going to spend more time on the other side of death than we do on this side. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2,000 years ago, when this tent we live in Our body here on earth is torn down. God says, the Bible says you're on a camping trip. This life flies by and we're on a camping trip. And now we're living in a tent called this body. But he's going to make us a permanent home someday in heaven. How many of you that are my age or older feel like your tent is wearing out as time goes on? Uh, Boy, my, my tent is wearing out. It's getting creaky. It's getting kind of rubbed down on the top of the tent. It's wearing out. And it says at the end of this brief life, this tent we live in, our body here on earth is torn down. God will have a house in heaven for us to live in, a home that he himself has made, which will last forever. Does anybody want to say amen to that? It's going to last forever. You were made to last forever. Proverbs 9, leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. And then the third question is a question of intention. What is my purpose? What is my purpose for being alive? Uh, Sometimes we're tempted to live somebody else's life. I heard a story last week about a guy named Joe. He was about my age and he had an accident and he was about to die. So he called out to God. He said, "Uh, God, uh, spare my life. Let me live longer. And so God said, okay, Joe, I'll let you live another 50 years. Well, he said, that's fantastic. I guess I don't need my life insurance policies anymore. So he cashed them all in. And uh, took the $100,000 or so that he had, and he used them to, for plastic surgery. He got some liposuction. He took care of his double chin. He got plugs in his hair so that he'd have hair. Once again, $100,000 complete plastic surgery makeover. And he walked out of the hospital after being in the hospital for weeks of this procedure, walked across the street, got hit by a truck, and killed. 
goes to the pearly gates of heaven, walks through the gates, and he says to God, what's up with that? You said I had 50 years to live. God said, Joe, is that you? I didn't recognize you. I I, I thought you were somebody else. So sometimes we live somebody else's life. Sometimes we miss the purpose for our life. I heard a while back about a son who bought his mother for an Easter Sunday present, bought her a talking bird. He had spent $10,000 to invest in somebody teaching this bird how to talk. And he gave it to his mother on Easter Sunday, called her up the next day and said, Mom, how'd you like the bird? She goes, oh, son, it it was delicious. It it tasted so good. He's like, Mom, how how could you do that? That bird wasn't to eat. That that, that was a talking bird. She said, well, he should have said something. He should have said something. And so sometimes we live somebody else's life. Sometimes we miss the purpose for our lives. Psalm uh, 89 says, why did you create us for nothing? Bertrand Russell, who was the most prominent atheist philosopher of the last century, in a moment of great honesty said this, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. Unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. Now the good news of this Easter 2013 is that God says in Proverbs 9, verse 10, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. When you bring God into the picture, when you acknowledge God and his existence and the fact that he created you, knowing God will lead to every other kind of understanding. We move beyond just being a random set of cells experiencing random chance to the ultimate purpose, meaning, and significance that he has for our lives. Colossians 1, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Ephesians 1, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. Acts 10, verse 35, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The door is open. God invited you here this morning to present before us an open door. And he says, all you got to do is step through. You're not here by accident. You're here by a divine appointment. And he's opened up a door right in front of all of us. And he says, all you have to do is step through. I want to give you a chance to do that right now. If you look at the upper right hand part, of page five. There are three simple steps, the Bible says, to becoming a follower of Jesus. And it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit your condition before God. It says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned. We've done wrong things. I've said things I shouldn't have said or thought or or done things that I shouldn't have done or thought things I shouldn't have thought. And it says we've all sinned. And because of that, we fall short of the glory of God. You see that little diagram there? There's a, a chasm between a perfect God and an imperfect me. But here's the solution. B, believe that Jesus Christ is God's only solution to your condition. It says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That is spiritual death, separation from God. But the gift, the Easter gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then there's that third step, C. Choose to follow Christ as your Savior and Lord. You see, the cross there serves as a bridge 
between an imperfect me and a perfect God. The cross, I love how we sang in that song earlier, the cross was enough. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. Uh, Jim Brown from our church family pointed out to me how the three crosses here are right at the blue pole, which is the finish line. Jesus hung on that cross and he cried out, it's finished. And the cross very appropriately is right at the finish line here at the racetrack. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. It provides a bridge between us and God. That's why Jesus said in John 5, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has, he or she has crossed over from death to life. You walk through that open door, you walk on that bridge and cross over from death to life. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. This is your moment. Easter Sunday, 2013, 331 13. As we bow before the Lord, there are three groups of people I want to talk to here today. The first is somebody here who's ready to take that step and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Would you pray silently as I pray this prayer out loud? Dear God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and he proved it by rising from death. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and forgiving all my sins. Right here today, Easter 2013, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for your free gift of eternal life. And then a second group of people I want to speak to. And maybe you're here today and you say, Glenn, you know, this is all kind of new to me and I'm just not ready to take that step. Uh, somebody invited me here today or I saw one of the signs or, or heard about it in some way and, and kind of came checking it out. But you know, you've just kind of shared a lot of stuff real fast and I'm not quite ready to take that step. Well, that's okay. And I want to lead you in what I call a, a prayer to be willing to be made willing. There's a promise in the Bible where God says, that if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. He says, if you have an open mind and an open heart and say, God, if you're out there, I want to seek for you. Would you somehow reveal yourself to me? Either by, as I read the Bible or, or in moments and circumstances of life or as I open my heart to you. Lord, I just, I'm open. I'm willing to be made willing. Uh, I'm, I'm not ready to take that step, but I'm, I've got an open mind and an open heart to what you want to say to me. And so would you pray with me right now, Lord, I'm opening my heart and my mind. Would you speak to me through some circumstance or situation in my life or through your word, the Bible? I'm willing to know that you're there. Reveal yourself to me. And then there's a third group I want to speak to. And maybe you committed your life to Christ years ago, but the busyness of life has kind of crowded him out. And he's become a lower priority. You made this commitment years ago. And yet, busyness and other activities have crept into our lives. And we're so busy that we don't spend our time reading our Bible or in prayer. We don't, haven't been a part of a church family and haven't been connected with a church where we can worship God and learn more about him. And so, Lord, today, I'm, I'm answering the question, what about Jesus? 
What about Jesus? And today I'm recommitting myself. I'm rededicating myself to once again make you the number one pursuit and priority of my life. For all these prayers now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's family said,